Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for your goodness in our hearts. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for uh, leading us, teaching us, growing us, stretching us allowing us to see your face in the good, the bad, and the ugly. We pray, Father God, that tonight, as we continue to pursue uh, and and find uh, profundity, depth in our faith walk, that it not be something uh, that we put on, but that that it would be our substance. It's not what we do, it's who we are. We pray, Father, that you fill us with your spirit, And teach us in your ways as we follow the footsteps of Abraham, the father of faith. As we want to please you. And you have said in your word that without faith, uh, we cannot please you, Lord. So we pray, Father God, that you open our hearts and minister to our spirits and lead us in the way we should go tonight. We have great expectation that you will deliver, Lord, the goods that we desire so that we could please you in all things. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. In Genesis chapter 21, you have uh, covered much ground with uh, Pastor Rivera on Wednesday nights. He has done a a very good job. Uh, The Lord has given him good word uh, with respect to this journey. But we find ourselves in Genesis 21, and it says that finally Sarah was visited by the Lord. And, and this is truly why we do what we do. We know God keeps his promises. Uh, it would be miserable to have a practice of a spiritual devotion uh, with no visitation. It would be horrendous. I, I know men around the world that have dedicated their lives to religion. And there is no pro- promise of any such visitation. I, I, before we go into Genesis 21... Let's go to Psalm 115, because this is religious practice at its best. It's people that worship gods, that have a face, and have eyes, and have ears. Um, This is very important. We're there in uh, Psalm 115, and we can start in verse 3. We can start in verse 2. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? This should not be the case. Uh, The Gentiles always question our devotion uh, uh, to our God and how we worship. Um, In other words, they want to see some type of image. See, down here at my feet, we have uh, the image of an eagle. Some religions worship the eagle. Other worship uh, created man. Uh, They worship idols. They worship statues. And so uh, for us, the people are always saying, well, what do you guys worship? Where is he? And and so we know, it says in verse 3, when they ask, where is their God? Uh, But our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. Our God rules and reigns. Our God is at the top. Um, There is nothing greater for man, and I, I, I challenge you to do this from time to time, begin to praise God and don't stop. You're wonderful, you're marvelous, you're amazing, you're so faithful, you're a good God, you're always on time, you're never late, and you begin to praise your God. I guarantee you that will, that will give you an injection so that you can, you can get to the level that you're supposed to be. We were created to worship. Uh, some people think they were created to complain. They complain all day. Oh, how miserable, how horrible, how nasty, how... Uh, and they just, they just go down the other way. So, and you get around these people, and you'll go down too. Uh, they always have a cloud over their head with thunder and lightning. But he does whatever he pleases. Our God is in heaven. And verse 4, it begins to clarify. Their idols are silver and gold. They invent and work out their idols as the product of the hands of men. They're making up their gods as they go along. And so it's very customary that these guys would create a god and say this was the idol and the statue, and you get to carry your god. Come on, God, we're going. 
And you pick up your God and you go. And he says, come on, God, we're, taking, we're going this way this time. And God is going that way, but you're taking your God and you're just, you're just manipulating God. In Mexico, they dress them according to El Mundial. If they play world soccer, so they'll put them in a, in a nice little soccer outfit. You know, they dress their God. And I remember one lady, she had a, a, an idol in her house. And she was scared to tell people she had the idol. But when I came in one day, I noticed that she didn't cover it totally. She didn't want to let me know she had idols. So she put her under a table and she covered it with a cloth. And I said, man, that w- if I were your God, I'd be embarrassed that you're embarrassed about me. You're, you're hiding me. You're keeping me. So this is, this is the works of men's hands. I was coming back from uh, Argentina. Uh, we were stopping in Chile. And the man who got next to me, if you're next to me, you're going to hear about God. You're going to hear about Jesus. And uh, I started telling this man about God. And he says, well, my God is Botu. Woo. I've heard of a lot. I've heard of all types of idols and worship. And, but Botu? I've never heard about this God. He says, yeah, it's the four letters, boss of the universe, Botu. And he's like... I go, well, has he ever talked to you and somebody else? No. Well, do you guys get together and does he tell you about eternity? No. Does he ever tell you that he's going to heal you or touch you? He says, no. I said, I think he's a figment of your imagination. I think you just made this up. So their gods are made up, not our God. Verse 5. He's not something you can manipulate. He's not something that you could... They have mouths, but they never hear. They never hear their God. When Reza Safa was debating a Muslim uh, iman, that's how they call the priest in that religion, in the Muslim religion, at their mosque, which is their temples, they have the priests are called imans. They're the ones that, that interpret the Quran. They, they talk to you about what the Quran is supposed to say and how you're supposed to practice. And so 3,000 people came to this debate. And Reza Safa says, all you Christians that have heard God, raise your hand. Have you ever heard God speak to you? And all the Christians raise their hand. I heard God spoke to me. He told me this. He, 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 he spoke to me in my dreams. He spoke to me. I was going to work. One day I was in the park. He spoke to me. And so all the Christians would testify. And he says, put your hands down. Now all the Muslims, if you're a Muslim, have you ever heard God speak? Raise your hand. And not one of them rose their hand. Not one hand went up in the air. So the Iman got upset. And so when it was his turn, he goes, nobody has heard from God. He was angry. He was was trying, listen. The reason Reza Safa stopped being a Shiite Muslim and became a Christian is because God spoke to him. Jesus Christ revealed himself to him when he was in Sweden, Sweden as an exchange student in college. And he says, I can't believe all the devotion my parents and me have given God. He's never spoken to us. And so um, he asked Jesus to reveal himself and Jesus did. And he gave his heart to the Lord. But these idols, the, the people... They devote so much time and energy and attention. Why do they not speak? Why do they not utter any direction, any comfort, nothing? There's, nothing, there's no words. Oh, we, uh, we revere, we serve, we, 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 we respect our idols, but they have mouths and don't speak. They have eyes and do not see. When have you ever had... Uh, one of these things call you out. I saw what you did and I don't want you to do it again. They never call you out. How many have been called out by God? Absolutely. And you know what? In things that no one has ever seen, the Holy Spirit is saying, "Mm, don't do that no more. I know nobody saw, but I saw. I saw. And, and, And that's what the psalmist says. Where do I go to hide from you, Lord? You see all things. If I go to hell, you're there. If I go to the highest heaven, you're there. If I go into the light, you're there. If I go to deep darkness, you're there. And we've seen this reality that God sees us wherever we go. Not their idols. They have mouths, don't speak. They have eyes, don't talk, they, they, they don't see. Um, let's go to the next one. Verse 6. They have ears, but they don't hear. I, I want to suggest to you, that is super sad that you would spend so much time and devotion. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and nobody's hearing your no one hears it. But the Bible says, who is like our God, who inclines his ear to hear our cry? He, he not only hears our prayers and our words, he says when we go, when we sigh, he hears it. He, he hears it. So they have ears, they don't hear. Um, noses they have, but they do not smell. They don't know what's going on. How many know that God knows what's going on all the time? You can't pass one on him. He's like, fishy, 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 fishy. Sounds like something's not, not smelling right. Okay, so God will do that to us, and he'll let us know. Now let's go to verse 7, because this gets even more powerful. They have hands. What are hands for? But to caress and to embrace, to nurture, to hand out, to give. How horrible it is that you live a life of devotion to God's that do not return. They return nothing. They're, they're not generous in, in the handiwork of God, we see the amazing generosity and kindness, but they do not handle. They can't carry anything. They can't carry you. I, I love the song, if he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know my brother that he can carry you. Man, when God could carry you. We were talking about that on Sunday. That, that some, the little girl was hanging on to her dad's leg. And she goes, I got daddy. I got daddy. And then daddy picked up the other sister. She goes, yeah, but daddy got me. Daddy got me. It's a big difference. A lot of people got a relationship with God, but they don't have, they're not in his arms. And so we need to be those people. But the idols are not like that. When you're playing religion, listen, we, we make a stark contrast with the religious people that carry idols and all this stuff. But if you're in this church... And you're just going through the motions, but God is not really attached to you. That's, that's idol worship. Feet, and they, they have, but they do not walk. They can't go anywhere. You've got to carry them everywhere. Have you seen them? They're like, and they carry their gods everywhere because they have feet, and they do not walk. They have throats, but do not utter. They don't speak the same thing, right? Let's continue. Uh, we're getting to the next one. He says, those who make these are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. It's just, it's just fake religion. It's false. It's all sort of devotion with no substance. And we go back to Genesis 21.1. This is why I was saying this, because the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. That, to me, says a lot. A visitation from the Lord. And he did for Sarah, verse, the second part of verse 1, the Lord did for Sarah. He not only visited her, he did for her as he had spoken. Now, there's no greater challenge tonight, and we could stop here, for you to reconsider your devotion to the Lord. Because this becomes super important. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my life. But the Lord has visited, and the Lord has done what He said. And the Lord did for Sarah as He had promised. A lot of people don't get to see the promises of God fulfilled because they do not wait long enough. But if you wait long enough, you're going to see everything God promised and said. And his visit towards your life will be worth the wait. So the Bible says in verse 2, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. This is on verse, verse 2, very important. Set times. You, you're not to surrender, give up. Because there's a set time. There's a specific time. And there's all matter of teaching in the Bible that God will fulfill his promises and do what he says at that time. One of the verses we use a lot is Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it says that he does everything beautiful in his time. The Lord makes everything beautiful. Could you read that with me? He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
that this is, this is super important. We, we don't have to give up. We don't have to surrender. We don't have to grow weary because in his time, everything would have come to its proper place. And the most miserable people upon the earth are those that don't live according to God's timetable, his set times. When God says wait, they say I can't. When they, God says go, they say I can't. I'm going to wait. Uh, they're coming and going and, and turning right when he says left and left when he says right. And these are the most pitied upon, among men, those who miss out on the times of God. And so we got to set our clock according to God's timetable. And so at that set time which God had spoken to him, in verse 3 it says, And Abraham called the name of his sons who was born to him whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. The, the Hebrew word Isaac means laughter. Because she laughed when God told her the son was coming. Um, this, this, this chapter may um, become a hindrance to us like so many times that God has spoken to us and we have waited and we have received what he has promised. But the controversy of what's going on doesn't allow us to celebrate. I, I don't know if you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, You've been waiting for a long time, studying real hard. You finally got into college, and when you're there, you're like, man, I'm overwhelmed with the responsibility of studying that I can't even celebrate that I'm even in college. The same thing with marriage. I see people, they finally find somebody to marry. They ask them to get married. The person says yes, and then they start stressing out and having fights all about the wedding. They don't enjoy the wedding. They don't enjoy having come together or they get married and they have to buy a house and then they're stressed out about having to pay the mortgage or qualify for the loan. And so I want to say that, that here we are, we, we didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't um, this whole coming up to this place, we're here. I don't see anybody going, yay, Sarah, there it is, there's, there's what you, no. The first thing that happens is that there's controversy in this thing. And as so many times, at the first rite, we have Abraham. He, verse 4, he says that Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. In other words, mark your son so from a young age he knows who he belongs to. Because he's going to ask, Dad, what does this mean? How come I have this consecrated mark? How come I'm like no other? How come I'm different? How come I don't live like the other kids? And, and all of a sudden, he marks him as God had commanded him. Verse 5, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So there it is. You have, you have like two sentences. You have like... Uh, we, were, we started in, in chapter 11. There's 11 chapters before the promise fulfilled and then only three, chapter, three verses to celebrate the fact that he's here. And that, that is usually uh, our bent on life. Uh, I would suggest that if we've been waiting so long, if we've heard God's promises and it's going to be fulfilled, our celebration should be more than just three verses. Because we see here in verse, uh, I think it's 8. Yep. Let's go to verse 8 now. So the child grew, and this is an important part too, and was weaned. I, I want to suggest here that this is what we need in the present day generation. Uh, weaned means you stop being a whiner. You stop crying like a little kid. You stop acting immature. And whenever a son is weaned, it's occasion for a great feasting for his father. Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. You guys do not know the destruction that happens to humanity and to the earth when a man is not weaned. He still wants to be nursed by his mother and he's 50 years old. In other words, he's not getting his way, so I'm going to throw a tantrum. Does anybody know anybody like that? 
This is the present day generation. They don't understand what it is to take responsibility and to break with the nursing. Um, I want to suggest you mothers that are still nursing your 30 and 40 year old children that it's time to stop. I want to suggest that you go tell your mom, mom, I have a wife. She's taking good care of me. Have a nice life. When a man is not weaned, it makes for horrible destruction to his wife and to his kids. And all the women say, amen. It's horrible to not have a son who has decided to take on responsibility. Because during that time where uh, it, it was supposed to be that the mother nurtured the child and grew him up and then brought him to the father and says, guess what? If you don't do, I've done my part. But if you don't do your part, this guy is going to be a disaster forever. So you teach him discipline. You correct him. You call his attention. You, you um, punish, but, but in a disciplinary manner. You give him the wisdom he needs. Because if not, you're just setting him up for destruction. And in Latin America, uh, when they grab a, car, a, a baby and they say, we're going to call his name Carlito. And Carlito is 40 years old. And his mom goes, Carlitito. Because she's not letting go. She's not going to let go of this guy. She's going to make sure he's not weaned. Um, the, the travesty of that is huge. I, I wish I could spend a month just on this aspect of weaning. And let's put it back up there, please. Verse 8. The child grows and was weaned. In Spanish, it's a little bit more direct. Destetado. No more breast milk from mama. No more... This usually happens at the age of two to four. No more nurture in that regard. And this makes for great feasting of a father who knows that he's not going to have a child. He's going to have a man. And Abraham made a great feast. It's occasion for great feasting. The same day that Isaac was weaned, he was handed over to his father. His father was in charge to bringing him up to being part of the tribe of men. And take on the responsibility. Um, the Bible says in verse 9 that Sarah saw. She saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. Her helper, who she told Abraham to have a child with. She saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, Ishmael, scoffing. He was making fun. He was mocking. Um, Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast this bondwoman and her son out. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son. He's not going to stick around. Namely, uh, verse 10. She saw the son of Hagar mocking Isaac. Cast her out. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be an heir with my son, namely Isaac. You guys know that the Bible will use all sort of illustrative and uh, picturesque portraits to be able to explain truths to you. And I've called this message world-changing sibling rivalry. Because amongst brothers, there's always a tit-for-tat and an arguing and a mocking and a laughing that it seems to be unending. Uh, as a lawyer, I would hire people and we'd have four or five employees at a time. And they were always like, I didn't leave the staplers. Yes, you did leave the staplers. You always leave the staplers. I did not leave the staplers. You always accuse me of leaving the stapler. You always leave the stapler because I... And it's just a bunch of kids going back and forth. And I only had one rule in my law practice. No sibling rivalry. You don't try to gain favor with me by putting the other person down. In other words, grow up. Because we cannot work in an environment with children. And here the picture in the Old Testament is found uh, uncovered for us in the New Testament as we go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 21. Tell me, 
You who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Verse 22. This is New Testament. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. It's going to give us a, a comparison and a clarification. By the one, uh, the one by a bondwoman and the other son by a free woman. Hagar, the bondwoman, and, and Sarah, the free woman. The one who believed and waited for the promise. And not the one that was uh, pushed into it and manipulative and forceful and unbelieving. Um, the expression of the flesh. And the other, the free one. The expression and demonstration of the spirit. And these two things are working against each other and where? Inside of us. The flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is always making fun of the spirit. Oh, look, you nice little Christian. You're behaving today. Come on. Tell them off like you used to. Use bad words. And, and there's that, that. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 23. Some people are looking at me like I'm crazy. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. It was all manipulation. It was all stink. It's all smelly. Listen, if you don't know by now that there's two, the flesh in you, the spirit in you, the, the slave who's captive to sin and lust and wants to do things God does, and then the spirit who's free, who laughs, who, who has the, the visitation of the Lord, who has what God has promised he, was, uh, he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the free woman through the promise. Verse 24. Which things are symbolic? Here it is. These things are symbols. They're, they're illustrations. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. God coming down from Sinai with all the laws. You know, God wanted to visit his people. And they said, no, 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 no. We don't want a personal relationship with God because we're scared. Then God's going to put an end to all our fun. You go up there and talk to God. And whatever he writes on those, you bring it down and we'll do it. So he comes down with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the law of God. The flesh demanding to walk in religion. And, and the spirit demands to walk those that, that walk according to the Spirit, it's no longer thou shalt not kill. You can't even hate your brother. It's no longer uh, you can't have adultery. You can't commit. You can't even desire a woman if you're in the Spirit. So you see these two, these two things fighting inside of us. Verse 25. These two covenants are at work. For this is Hagar is, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai. In Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children, the Jewish people. Verse 26. But the Jerusalem above, the life in the spirit, the life that's not about doing things your ways and manipulating your outcomes, the mother of us all, verse 27, the one who has birthed us. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are in labor, who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Verse 28. Now we as brethren, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. There's, there's a life in the spirit. That is no longer based on the flesh and manipulation and controversy and sibling rivalry and mocking and scoffing. Verse 29. For this reason, but as he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. There's, there's, there's a life in our walk as Christians in faith, that is a sublime life that when people tap into, they're like, man, this is beautiful. What peace, what joy. And, and that's a reality in our life. Now, there is a side of us, the Bible says, crucify the flesh with all of its lust and desires that, that is the most sinister and wicked of people, our flesh side. How many have that side? That side was speaking to me today in my life. 
That side in my life, 30 years into Christ, was like, man, you should take opportunity now. Just blow up. Just let it go. And so that struggle of the spirit life, which is beautiful and peaceful, is constantly, every day, fighting with this other jerk that wants you to live like you lived before you were born again in the spirit. And, and listen, the whole set of vocabulary is prepared for you. You could go there and, and grab a couple of those words you used to use. And, and the ways you used to act and respond. But, but there's, there's, the Bible says, don't walk in the flesh. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't let the flesh mock you into an expression that is not what the Spirit would have you do. And so this is me 30 years into my Christianity. Verse 30 Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out that bondswoman and her son. Get them out of your camp. We're not going to raise. We're not going to nurture the flesh. We're not going to give it room. Cast out with her son. For the son of the bondswoman shall not inherit. Be an heir with the son of the free woman. We, we can't do both. Surely we can't. And so let's go to the next verse. Um, Galatians 5.16. Again, this is all over the New Testament. Those of us that are walking. I say then, walk in the spirit. So you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to be really transparent here. In the last couple of days for us, rebuilding and setting everything brand new gives you an occasion for just a short wick and to blow up and to lose your patience and to lose your, your, your peace. And, and you got the flesh mocking you the whole time. But we refuse to walk in that spirit. We refuse to allow our lips and our, our mouths to open up to do things that the flesh would delight in. And so this is it. Walk in the spirit so the flesh does not accomplish and fulfill its desire. Verse 17. Why? Because the flesh has set its guns. The flesh lust fights against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to the one of the other. So that you do not wish the things that you wish. So that you do not do the things that you wish. There's, there's that battle. Uh, you know, uh, the famous illustration was you have two dogs that are going to go to a fight. Which one wins on the occasion of them both leashing against each other? The one you feed. The one you nourish. The one you, and then starve the other one to death. Don't let the flesh have all of its, its, its guns so that it puts up a good fight and overcomes the spirit. And you end up doing things you never wanted to do. Verse 18. These are contrary the one to the other. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the pressure of acting like a jerk, talking like a jerk, reacting like a jerk. And it's so easy for us. To walk in that mindset, Romans 7, 15, Paul writes, I do not even understand how this even happens. For what I am doing, I do not understand. And, and I want you, you that listen to me today that are living the life of faith, that the struggle is real. The struggle is real and constant. Oh, so you're going to go to church again. The flesh mocking you. Oh, so you're the one that's going to inherit the promises of God, huh? You're the big guy. I, I had somebody call me today and says, I stopped going to church because I wanted to stop playing a hypocrite. Listen to me. The flesh contends against your spirit to say, if you come to church and you're not perfect, you're a hypocrite. And so you stay home listening to who? The flesh. You stay home listening to the flesh. And, and then the voice of the Spirit is like he has a... 
You, he has muffled and muzzled the spirit so it has no word. I, I thank God this, this week the spirit has been strong. It's been strong, the spirit. And, and I've put my family through a hard time, but listen to me, not even, a, not even 90% of what it would have been had the spirit not been in dominion. The flesh wants to leash out and act like a jerk, but the spirit is nourished. The spirit is, uh, bite your tongue. Don't walk in the ways of the desires of the flesh. Don't, don't listen to the mockery. Verse, uh, verse 18, Romans 7, 18, he continues, he says, for what I will to do, I do not practice. And that which I don't want, that's what I practice. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my body, nothing good dwells. Can we start with that? Can we start with that premise that there's, it's going to be a miracle for anything good to come out? And anything good is from what? From the Spirit. Anything good that ushers out. For to will is um, present with me, but how to perform what is good, I cannot find how to bring it to pass. How could I live a life that is pursuing the things from above? How many, listen, a lot of people get mad at Abraham because he birthed Ishmael, the son of the flesh, because he didn't wait. I want to ask tonight, how many Ishmaels have you birthed? He only did one. We, we have like, like tribes of things birthed out of time, of, of decisions made that, that are horrible, that will follow us the rest of our life, mocking us. And we'll inherit God's promises. They'll come to pass. But these things will still be in our face reminding. You remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You remember? That's still there. They, they, all these Ishmaels are there. All the works of the flesh. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. Now, I, something came up. I got a haircut yesterday. And the barber says, Joaquin, uh, is there anything that you did that caused God to hit your house with lightning? Is, is there anything? I said, listen, let's, let's be real here. Listen to me. If it was based on what I did or didn't do, God would have hit me with lightning 15, 16, 20 years ago. Every day, every month, for the past years. We, we deserve for God to go zzz, Just on a constant basis. It's not just one thing. The flesh is there constantly lifting up his head. For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good, I can't find it. I can't find it. 7.23, Romans 7.23. But I see another law that works within me, <clears throat> waging against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work that's work within me, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Reducing me, you know, I see myself, all these circumstances come upon me, start walking in a direction that's totally not from the Lord. Totally not what God has planned. Doing things that, that God is like, what's going on? Is it walking in the flesh? Totally mindset, being driven by a jerk. Who's that jerk? The flesh. Just taking you in a direction that's not consistent with the spirit and the promise of God. And bringing me into captivity, leading me as a prisoner in a direction I don't want to go. To the law of sin, which is in my members. This thing is, is set there. Romans 8, 5. Who are these people that are carnally set? Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the flesh's desires. On the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh are thinking on the flesh. But those who have the expressions according to the Spirit of God is taking a time out, taking a time to, to think it over and to birth the things of God. And we see this happening for real. Look, look what is happening in Genesis 21. This, this whole thing where, where, where Sarah says, out with that woman, out with her son. They're not going to inherit with my son, Isaac. And look what verse 11 says. And this is, this is what we could talk about in our life of faith. The matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. There are things that, that in this war and in this battle between the flesh and the spirit, um, it's not, it doesn't feel good. 
It doesn't feel good. It's just not something that, that, that you say, yay, look what's happening inside of me. No. It's a constant battle. For those of you that are starting out in your Christian walk, I guarantee you 30 years later, you're still going to be fighting between the flesh and the spirit. Now, I, I will guarantee you this, that as you fill yourself with the strength of the spirit, you're going to be stronger than the flesh. But right now, if you just started, your flesh has you on a leash. It's taking you out on a walk. So I remember the days that the, that the flesh is, is walking me around. I'm like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I going where I'm going? How come? And, and now I, I got the flesh on the leash. I'm saying, brother, we're not going that way. We're not, we're not going where you want. And so we begin to over, uh, like the Bible says, increase. If having your mind set on the fleshly desires causes you to be held in captivity, then Seeking the things above. One of my favorite verses, Colossians 3, uh, verse 5. There's nothing to do with the flesh with respect to educating. How many want to educate? Well, I'll just do this a little bit better. Well, you know, I just, listen, put to death, kill, crucify, demolish. Don't even let it think extinguish, put to death your members which are on the earth. The carnal mind is in enmity with God. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetedness, idolatry, all these things. Verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience. All the ways of the flesh, all the ways of the, the mockery of Ishmael's. Going back to Genesis 21, this is being grievous. Uh, I don't know to what extent this is called domestic violence. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I know that there's gifts being bestowed. There's visitation of God. There's the promises fulfilled. There's the enjoyment of the of the good things of God. But right smack in the middle of this, there's a mocking, there's a casting out, there's a grievous sentiment. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight. Don't, don't, don't let it bother you because of the lad or because you're bondwoman. Whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her voice. This is the verse that, that Clarita always tells me. Always listen to Yvette. Always. Always listen to your wife. Always. And so God is telling Abraham, listen to Sarah. Listen to your wife. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. In the spirit is where God will fulfill his plans. Uh, you don't want to miss out on God's plans. You don't want to continue to birth lifetime Ishmael's, the good thoughts of hurrying up before God shows up. I got a better plan than God, in other words. Verse 13, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So these things are going to take off and grow. So Abraham rose up in the early in the morning, verse 14. He took bread and a skin of water and put it on her shoulder and gave it to her. And the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the lad under a shrub. Then she went down and across from him a distance of about a bow shoot shot. For she said, I, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. You know, one of the things that, that, that blows me away in this passage is the next verse. She wept and she lifted up her voice. But the Lord was listening to the lad. Verse 15. 16 and 17. God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God hears the cry that we, we utter out to him. A lot of people have issues whether God hears us or not. I want to guarantee you tonight 
that God listens. He's a God that hears. And you might be in a place where you're lonely and nobody's around and you say, nobody heard this, but God, he knows what we think even before we utter it and he hears our voices. And he says, I heard this, fear not. I'm gonna attend to your needs. And he says, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. The provision of God is, is right there within arm's reach. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife uh, for him from the land of Egypt. That, that continues to be a mess. I, I want to say that, that a lot of times we're creating all sorts of dysfunctional homes by doing things out of God's timing. Verse 22, and it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and Fehol, Fehol, the commander of his army, these two men were there and Abraham enters into an alliance with them and swore uh, that they would not cause controversy and conquest in the land that he dwelt. And Abraham said, listen what they were able to notice in verse 22. This is what everybody will notice about our lives as we live out this walk of faith. The Bible says that they told Abraham, God is with you in everything that you do. That's what you can assure. We, we have the controversy of Ishmael. We have Hagar. We have Isaac. We have the flesh. We have the spirit. We're contending. We're like, shut up. I don't know. What did you say? And we're all over the place in that regards because we're living this life out. We're the flesh and the spirit. Some people don't want this battle. Some people don't want the battle of the, the spirit and the flesh contending. I remember one, uh, one year uh, early on, I had just met Yvette. I was coming into law school and I went out and I bought season tickets for the Miami Dolphins and I said I'm just going to go have a good time I bought two one for me one for Yvette we go to all the season tickets and the Lord says what are you doing I said I just got a good deal on season tickets and I'm going to go with Yvette we're going to have a good time he goes no you're not you're not going to put anything above me I was like Lord what are you talking about yes right now you are going through incredible sacrifice to get these tickets and you're only to sacrifice to me I'm your God, and nothing should be above me. And so that, that battle, so I, I was able to sell them. I sold the last 10 games of that, of that year. Um, and and that, there's the battle. I, I think I went to two games, and I sold the rest of them. The battle of the spirit of the flesh. Now watch this. If you live according to the flesh, you're not going to be an heir of the things of the spirit. You won't inherit the promises of God. Why? Because you are pursuing the things of the flesh. And the things of the flesh are just anguishing. They, they're grievous to your soul. But the things of the spirit are promise. And I guarantee you that I didn't go see those dolphin games. But, but my relationship with God and my relationship with Yvette is far superseding all the pleasure of the flesh in entertainment we would have had otherwise. So this battle is a continual battle on every front. That was, that was even before we were married. That was 24 years ago. We've been married for 21 years. So, so from those days that we're contending with the spirit and the flesh, you understand that this life in Christianity is the same. You decide what you do in the flesh. You decide what you do in the spirit. And we go to Galatians 5, 22. And the Bible says there that we can see the fruits of the flesh. We can see there the fruits of the spirit. Go to uh, verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. If you feed this thing, it's not just a little bit. Trust me, you give it this much, he'll take the hand, the arm, the shoulder, and he'll drag your body. So the works of the flesh are clear. They lead you to adultery, to having sex out of marriage, lewdness, uncleanness, pornography. Verse 20. You walk in the flesh, you're doing idolatry, witchcraft, rebellion. Is the sin of witchcraft, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbirth of wrath, selfishness, 
You only think about yourself. Ambition, you, you have a, a, a disproportionate ambition that, that is not healthy. Dissensions, you, controversies, arguments, heresies. Uh, twisting the word of God, twisting the, the worship of God. Verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the likes. I told you beforehand, as I told you in the past, that those who live according to the flesh will never inherit the kingdom of God. You won't come. On Monday, the men heard a story about a king that got in the flesh, negotiated, compromised, and then dismantled the worship of God. It started with a little thing. A little entertainment led to compromise in character, led to leisure and prosperity, led to alliance and selling off his character and dismantling his worship. And so here it is. Those who practice, those of you that, that put on the flesh mambo, you're not going to dance in the spirit. You're not going to inherit the things that God has for you. You could say goodbye to the promises of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit... If you want to live according to the Spirit, you're going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 23. The nine fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is why you're saying if, if it cast that bondwoman out with her son, tell Tell all the manipulations that we have in the flesh. And, and it, gets, it, gets, it gets really crazy. It gets really crazy when you're a Christian and you are living for God a thousand percent. And then you're still acting like, you're acting like God is not seen. God is not real. So in that regards, he, these men in Genesis 21 see that God is with them in everything he does. He enters into an alliance with them and he finishes out the rest of the passage calling that place Beersheba. We're going to read that in verse 30. And he says, you will take these seven lambs from my hand. I want, to, I want to enter into a covenant that they, might, they may be my witness that I have dug this well. There's a wellspring here. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba, the place of sevenfold blessing, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus, they made a covenant at Beersheba. So, verse 32, uh, Genesis 21, 32. So, they made a covenant. They, they, they started walking so Abimelech rose with his commander of the army, and they returned to the land. In verse 33, then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. I, I'm, I'm committed, regardless of what's going on, to my God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Let's stand tonight, and, and I want you to, you know, today has been one of those days where, where we see these two things in function. You want to know what the definition of miserable is? Live a life in the flesh. You'll make yourself miserable and everybody around you. And you want to know the definition of inheriting the promises of God and living a glorious life? Live a life in the Spirit. Tell, tell your family members, don't walk in the flesh. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't tell me words that are going to hurt me in a time of an outburst. Don't speak to me when you're in the flesh. Don't answer me. Don't, don't, don't give me an answer and a response in the flesh. Go in your room and pray a little bit. Come back with the glory of God in the spirit. I want to see a smile on your face. I want to see you giving me what the spirit of God gives you which is joy and peace and kindness. And, and that is the reality of this faith walk that we're living in. Um, and, and it's a struggle. Today we've heard it's a struggle from, from, all, from the pastor to the person that just started tonight taking his first steps. 
The person I was talking to today says, I left the church because I'm not going to be pretending that I'm spiritual when, when I'm at home, I'm in the flesh. How many know that that's not a reason to stop coming to church? How many people get in the car and they're yelling at you? You know what? What? We're not going to church tonight. You're not going to church tonight because you're in the flesh? Brother, turn that sucker around and get in the spirit and come to church and praise God. And knock out the flesh. Don't let the flesh have its way. The flesh will lead you to stray. You'll be, you'll be far and distant and isolated from God. But if you're in the spirit, um, there's hope. There's an expectation that, that, that things are going to go good. There's an expectation that there's going to be favor in your life and not disconnect. Let's sing this song to the Lord. And learn how. Learn. Let, let, let the Spirit teach you how to, to pour in the measure of the Spirit. And, 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 and lead you to crucify the flesh. Don't disciple the flesh. You know, you're not supposed to talk like that. because We're at church. We're around Christian people. Wait till we get in the car. I'm going to tell them off. Wait till we get home. I'm going to let the flesh fury. Ah! Ask God to the Holy Spirit to lead you to live a life in the Spirit. Remember the spirit of Ishmael, the flesh, is a mocker. Always after these teachings and messages from the Lord... You have the people that will always point to other people and say, see what the pastor says? You're in the flesh. And they're always mocking the person who has an outburst. You're allowed only to call yourself on being in the flesh. Because if you're calling other people out that are being in the flesh and mocking them, you're in the flesh. You're being used by the devil to provoke people to the fruits of the flesh. But um, this is a, a real battle that, that every Christian faces and it doesn't stop. And we rebuke Satan and we rebuke his assignments to make us who are called to live by the Spirit and to be heirs of his grace and, and, and the, the fruits of the things of the Spirit. Because you guys know that when you walk in the Spirit, you'll get a harvest in the Spirit. But if you walk in the flesh, then the harvest will be thorns and thistles because that's the wilderness. It says that uh, those who abide in that flesh carnal mindset, there's no fruitfulness in that. Father, thank you, O oh God, for tonight being in the house of God. Thank you that we are still walking. We know that we have been born of the water and the spirit. We know that your spirit leads us to triumph and to peace and to joy and to the fulfillment and faithfulness of all God's promises as we are the heirs of that grace, Lord. We do not want to continue in the flesh that wars against the Spirit, that mocks the high call of God. So, Father, teach us how to crucify the flesh with its lust and not fulfill its desires when He comes around provoking us, instigating, manipulating according to His ways. But Father, we declare that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And although we don't often do what we would like, Lord, we pray that you would have the victory and we would come around and have the expression that is a blessing to our household, to our family, to our wives, our children, our sons and our daughters. They also contend with the flesh. They also have wrestling you know, allow, uh, trying to overcome the mocking thoughts of the flesh that's so sinister. So we pray, Father, that we would be able to be a, an example and a blessing to them as we uh, exercise our efforts in, in living like we saw Abraham was grievous in the midst of all the family controversy, but he continued to live in the land of promise and inherit the blessings you had for him, Lord. That your peace might be with us, that your prosperity 
would bless our households. And we declare, O oh God, that you will finish that which you have begun in us according to your grace and faithfulness and promise. Visit us, Lord, and do according to what you have said and fulfill what you have promised over our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.